here. Hang on. I still have a little bit of Olivia Rodrigo in my ears. So I should turn that off. Hello. There we go. Now it's just you and me. No Olivia. Hi. What a shame, TBH. This is quite a new look for you. Uh, well, let me tell you what happened. My hair, it's too long. I need to get a haircut. Okay. And from the time that I made that discovery this morning to now, uh, there wasn't time for me to get a haircut, so I put on a hat. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm wearing a hat. My name is Daniel, and I am wearing a hat. Yeah, never seen you in a hat. I went through a hat phase. I went to um, Mexico to help build uh, homes for the poor when I was in, I don't know, a teenager. Yeah, and, the, uh, the Jesus missionary trip to Mexico oh, yes. to yes, evangelize. You, you know yeah. the one, yes. We've all but, been there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but there was one cool guy named Tag. He was so cool. He's a couple years older than me, and he had a hat with a fish hook on the end that, like, was made for the bill of a hat to just, like, sit there. I don't know how to describe it. But I thought he was I so mean, cool. I mean, I think you've described it well enough. Yeah. It sounds very <laughs> I, I cool. I just don't know the point of yeah. it. Uh, it looked awesome. And uh, I had a hat, befriended him, and tried my best to make him think I, I was cool, too. And, yeah, by the, the end of the trip, he gave me his, his hook when we were all saying bye. I was like, yes, this is awesome. I've had it ever since. It's still on that hat. I just don't know where the hat is. But it's around. It's around. It's somewhere. It's the last hat I seriously wore, I think. And it had a fish hook in it from 2001. Was this like 2000? Oh, it probably would have been. This is yeah, decades like 2000, ago. 2000, late 90s. Yeah. 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 Well, good times. I went on that mission trip twice. And then I liked from a very early age being able to say I've been to Mexico like a dozen times because every day we would drive across the border. And oh, so it was like. didn't even stay? Yeah, I guess there was a camp or something on the Texas side, and then you drive like. An I got hour. in huge trouble as a as a youth for breaking out of the gym in the middle of Ensenada, Mexico, where we were staying, and like walking a mile down the road to get ice cream and oh, like off the resort. Or was it a resort or something you were staying? No, we were just staying yeah. at like a in a church's gym oh, and okay. helping build stuff for that church and I that uh, congregation. And so I like hopped the walls and just meandered the streets at like two in the morning getting street food. It was great. And then I got in, in trouble. Yeah, it seems like they would not be happy about that. But... My youth pastor sent me a MMS message while I was in Mexico when I was like 15 and it cost $7 yeah. to get me that message. I turned on my phone to check the time and then that message came through and my dad was pissed about that too. I was just making all sorts of mistakes. Yeah. Those, thankfully I missed the wave of everybody texting each other as like a primary communication source and it being that expensive for whatever reason. I was never right in that. Zone. Or maybe I had a plan where it was just unlimited. I've never, cool, yeah. never been. Like, yeah. yeah. That wasn't definitely not cool. No, you were. Uh, yeah. Well, you. I don't know I, how you weren't cool. You had a fish hook in your hat. Do you? That automatically makes me cool. That's true. Do you remember uh, the first time your family got a cell phone? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like a core memory for me. My mom or my sister, I think, called me on the house phone, and I picked it up, 
And they were like, it's for you, or whatever. Somebody else picked up, it's for you. And I was like, hello. She's like, hi, Sam. I was like, what? What is happening? It was my sister, and I had just seen her. She, and then she like opened the door. She's like, ah. It was a black Motorola with a little flip-out thing. The I don't Star know Tech. the model. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I still have that phone number. That is my phone number to this day on my cell phone, that original phone mm-hmm. number. That's... Yeah. That's a long time to carry a phone number. I mean, I'm 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 the same. I've had the same phone number since eighth grade. I kept this phone number through three separate countries. Wow, that's uh, pretty impressive. Actually. Well, I mean, like we got additional phone numbers. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have a I have a I have a I have a thing. Um, I have a thought. I have a. I have a Hit me. A conversation starter. Uh, oh, so I want to talk more about phones because I get a lot of questions about my light phone. FYI. But we can circle I, don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna, I, I will not That's help you become a, a minor YouTube tech reviewer. <laughs> I won't do it. Okay. You're gonna have to talk about your light phone on your own time. It's an awesome phone. I should have brought it yesterday. Oh my God. So we, <laughs> so one of the things that we get asked a lot when people join glass is they, they, they come with this assumption after using it for a couple of weeks that, um, this doesn't happen all the time. But occasionally, someone will think that glass is anti-criticism. That like, huh. there's no only you know you can only be positive on glass. Only nice things. There's to say. no downvote, or because it's all appreciation and yeah. Why? So huh. I I'm I I've talked with enough people who have thought this that like I understand the rationale, right? Like, so you're coming from Instagram where no one's seeing your photos, or you're coming from Twitter where people are you know historically combative uh, has the photo community on twitter ever been that meaningful i know there are some photographers yeah. with big followings but oh, okay i, I kind of missed the boat on that i never really posted there seriously so i just yeah no there there were uh you know clearly it's died off since a transphobic asshole billionaire bought it but um it has been it has been a nice spot to post photos on the internet and talk about things okay um and so they're they're coming over from these other networks where uh, critical feedback and or a bad, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a bad attitude mm-hmm. is rewarded by the algorithm. And you hop into a nicer spot where people are, you know, uh, a rising tide raises all ships. Everyone's trying to get better together. We're all improving and working. Mm-hmm. It feels like anti-criticism right it, it feels mm-hmm. like an anti um it, it just feels different right like it feels mm-hmm. weird there in, in the same way that it can feel weird to not have um endless notifications and like dopamine hits that you're used to yes. from Everyone other experienced networks. that yesterday with the yeah uh, so you know, like this week threads dopamine launched by threads yeah Instagram and they put 900 different ways to send you a notification turned on automatically. And so everyone gets notifications. You get that, you know, manufactured fake little hit of, Ooh, that feels nice. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of stick around and you keep thinking, Oh, that feels nice. And it's like, okay, but is it like, cause they're just clicking a, you know, like you're literally just getting a a zap from a server that says, Hey, someone did something on this app. You should Mm -hmm. know about it. Not, Hey, someone really loves your photo or, Hey, here's a thoughtful comment. It's just empty calories. Uh, Uh, (laughs) I, I, so do you think some of it has to do with the fact that, uh, 
you pay money also to be on glass and it's not free for everyone and so people are literally more invested in it as a platform and so they they probably have a little bit more of a um, we want it to be good and positive because <laughs> who wants to pay money to get criticized you know uh, yeah do you, th- do you think that by uh, default I mean, sets it up for more of that's a- definitely that's definitely one of the contributing factors right there there yeah. i think there are a lot of different little things that contribute to this thing uh th- this assumption that happens which is not true right like to be clear we we love a we love a good criticism we love a good uh feedback and helpful um you know, helpful push in the right direction on improving people's Did photos. Did you get somebody reaching out about the criticism as an issue, or have you just observed people? Oh being no, like, someone. <laughs> ever like once, at least once a month, I will get tagged into a uh, conversation where someone will have stated, "We don't do criticism on glass. There's no criticism here," oh. and and they will phrase it in a way that's like, "And that's a negative," and I wish there was. And then, like, a couple of people will comment and be like, well, I'm, let's commit to being critical together, right? Like, let's, let's commit to improving <laughs> each other together. And it's like, it's I love this. interesting to see communities kind of become their own entity, by the way. This is just yeah. one example of many, but yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have, I always say, no, we, you know, we, we're not anti-criticism. We're just pro-kindness. Right. And there's a there's a big difference there. And pro kindness often leads to a different type of criticism or a different type of feedback that uh, I personally think is a more meaningful thing that will uh, make it heard more. Right. Um, You know, the closer you are with someone, the longer you've been interacting with someone, the longer you've been building a relationship, them suggesting, hey, your frame lines are a little off or like. Oh, right. you need to straighten that. Or, you know, like your edges are always a little too busy, like crop in a little tighter. Mm, it just reminded strength. me, actually, that that's um, I've been meaning to do. It's been a while. Uh, I've probably done maybe a dozen of these over the years. The uh, I don't know if you've watched any of my group critique videos where. Oh, my God. I would love to do a glass version of these. How can I how can I do this with you? How can we sit on your iPad together? Drawing <laughs> on your iPad? That's a good question. I've been trying to figure out a format for it uh, that would be a little more um inclusive instead of just patrons only or something like that um but yeah we we can definitely brainstorm something it's extremely valuable for people to watch it seems it's hard for me to say that because i'm the one making it so it's like i don't you know the value is what it is in my head but uh, most people seem to enjoy watching not just their own photo but especially everybody else's photos be critiqued because you start to see patterns and what i'm looking for and be able to predict what i might adjust and so on and so there's and seeing a, the actual markup in uh an ipad is pretty key to to doing that yeah. by the way there's a there's a um a reoccurring feature or uh i don't know what you call it it's not a product it's like a it's a show a, a reoccurring uh one-off youtube thing that sam will do with his patrons where uh patrons submit yeah, a photo a <laughs> for sam to critique and then he uh, along with the other, you know, so he'll, he'll go live on YouTube with 80 photos from, you know, 60, 70 people and just, uh, you know, like lightly critique the photos talking about how he would have either moved compositions or what you could have done in post with a crop. And like nine times out of 10, the, (laughs) 
the feedback is always just crop a little closer. We're a little yeah, too far away. It's amazing right? like, to me how, how often it is the crop. And I actually just did a mentoring session, like a two hour thing with somebody who uh, we went through a full gallery that he shot and he shoots with the, the 35, 85. I think that was the combo. But what was incredible to me was to see, and this was hopefully very helpful for him and it, you know, as far as like the edification, seeing the unedited pictures and then compare it to his edits and see how obvious it was to me that he could could get the light right. He could get the right moment and, and perspective for uh, a pose or someone's face or whatever. But every single photo was insanely uh, had to be, you know, cropped like 60%. So it's just very interesting that he knew what a good photo was comprised of, but had to edit his way into the final result. So it's hard to explain, but essentially, uh, I, I really can't remember the lens stuff that he used, but he, he really just needed a different collection of, of, equipment that he was using he was shooting way too far away for one uh that's another great thing to keep in mind if you're ever feeling a little apprehensive about being too close to somebody unless it's clearly a sensitive emotional moment you probably need to take one giant step closer than you think uh for sure uh, that is but, one of my three go-to photography tips i only have three and that's number one is nice. step closer uh, and then, but what was amazing was that the final edits were great. These were awesome photos. And it's like, why is that occurring when you can be sitting at your computer and know what needs to happen for the shot to be edited and ready for delivery? But in the moment, it's not happening. Like, yeah. is it a safety thing? Do you think that people are, um, and this, I'm just being rhetorical here, but feel free to answer directly. Um, is it a, like a safe thing where you want a little width so you can crop in later? Is it, I think way more common and way more likely is that uh, most people don't have their focus point um, set up in a way that mm, nudges you in a certain tr direction to, to right out of the gate. So for example, I always shoot with my starting focus point. It's all set to track in 3D, but it doesn't scan the whole scene. It's one focus point starting and it's in the upper uh, mid third line of the frame because most people, most things I'm photographing have a human face in it. And I generally want to start with that compositionally with that face in the upper third of the shot, not with the face right in the center. That's weird. And I see it all the time from my second shooters where they're clearly using center focus as the starting point and because I mean, there's way too much headroom on top which is totally uh you know some sometimes that's a preference thing but it as a starting point you want to have whatever your core focus points you use uh trending toward where you generally uh you know want your composition to start now i do recompose and it can end up anywhere else and I often will toggle between that single focus point and just scanning the whole scene for faces. But it's very obvious to me that this individual was using center focus. That is something that I think is also a carryover from the DSLR days where center was the sharpest spot. So your yeah. autofocus actually catching what you're intending it to, uh, that, that hit rate would be much higher using the center point. That's not really the case anymore because autofocus is, is so good and and now we're out of the uh you know kind of tight cluster in the center-ish cluster of focus points uh, of a dslr where mirrorless generally will focus edge to edge so you can you can really push the the boundaries there and i think a lot of people 
just sort of when they switched to mirrorless um ported over their settings as close as they could from their dslr days and haven't yet like really uh felt out what the whole new uh system of having edged focus points can can enable so yeah it's just a lot go to photography tip number two yes it's called the rule of thirds for a reason y'all use it easy breezy like come on yeah Uh, but it's funny what do you think and i want to hear your last rule in a second what do you think is the disconnect between being able to see a, a raw photo and edit into the exact right crop that you are happy with and but not seeing that in the moment do you have any theories? Do you think your mental space is just too fixated on uh, other other stuff and it can't quite collapse that? I think it's gap? a. I think it's a would rather give yourself an extra two to three minutes in post production per image than okay, just get the uh, expression the image. In the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also you know you always have to step closer, right? So the the actual tip was either take. Uh, one step back or three steps closer, right? Like that, that's actually perfect. I was about to say, oftentimes I do find myself stepping backward, but yeah, yeah, like get, like a lot of context. get even more in the frame so you can use it as an interesting something happening in the foreground or background, uh, or get way less, right? Like everyone wants to get the whole moment, but you don't want to get the moment. You want to get the vibe, right? And so vibe is either a whole scene or close up on people's faces. Yeah. So, you know, three steps forward, one step back, pick one or do both, right? Like take a step back. I am a center point focus guy. I won't apologize for it. I mean, I don't really have a... Um, well, and if you don't photograph people that often, I think it's it's a little easier to... I photograph to... myself every week, Sam. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> no. So like it, it is definitely a carryover from the DSLR days and like none of okay. my... I, I just focus in the center and then frame my shot however I need to after it's focused. So like whatever I sure. know I want in, fo- but like that's slow and I'm also... Well, I, I still kind of do that anyway, the focus recompose thing, but it just keeps my eye and my sensibilities about the composition uh, out of that center, center zone. Now, yeah. I also do shoot very center compositionally all the time in terms of like mirrored uh, balanced frames, but the, uh, were you going to finish something? Well, no, I mean, I, my truth is I haven't used a, a, a mirrorless camera. Right. A real That's one. true. You've been using your manual focus, the uh, setup for quite a while now. Well, the even then thing... before that I was using a, like a Q2. And then before that I was still on my Nikon D810 DSLR. So I haven't Got used it. it. I, I literally haven't used a camera that has like legit, autofocus because the Leica's autofocus is you know historically subpar Um. (laughs) yes uh so but the thing is the the actual the the added step if if i could leave it to just scan the whole scene and it always chose the the focus point that i wanted uh for me which it kind of does when i have the eye tracking enabled meaning uh canon has a feature where it will literally track where you're looking with your eye and move the focus point to that uh, i use that sparingly it does work well it just don't find Wait, it. your own eyeball or it tracks the yeah. other people's eyes both at the same time it will track my eye where i'm looking in the viewfinder and take this little circle and it'll move around the scene 
Uh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. I can't wait to try it. And <laughs> yeah, it's a cool feature. It's actually, uh, they, Canon also had it in an old film camera from like way back in the day and it worked really well. I don't know how they, they did it, but uh, that I, I didn't find it making a hugely meaningful improvement to anything compositionally or reaction time. So I, I use it on and off just to change things up. But the uh, point is the manual step of still needing to lock, acquire focus, generally like i said upper third middle of the frame to start and then the manual step of having to recompose into a shot i find very very beneficial some photographers shoot like kind of establishing composition first and then acquire focus within it and that's never worked for me i don't know why but along with that uh kind of mindset i think another big and probably not talked about enough i don't know how often people think about this even but a big big thing is the literal size of which you're viewing the photo as it's being made uh, versus the size of your monitor, right? So you get home, especially in the early days, and you just had a session, you're excited to see your photos, and you see them on your big, giant, you know, beautiful display, hopefully, and you know immediately what you hate about a photo and why it's like, why didn't I fix this in the moment, right? And I think yeah. that's literally because of just a few things. One is obviously the mental separation now of not having to be socially engaged with your subject and you have more time to think about all those uh, finer details. Uh, but two, just the physical, the difference in physical experience. So when you're looking at a, like right now, I'm looking at my 14 inch laptop screen, but relative to how much uh, movement my eye needs to, to track to get from one edge of the screen down to the other, it's actually really tiny. When I have a camera viewfinder right up in my eye, and I want to look at the upper edge of the frame, then the lower edge, my eye kind of ha has to move like almost twice as far as like looking at my 14 inch laptop screen here, right? It's just the relative like magnification of it or however you want to describe it necessitates your eye like having to look a huge amount of um, movement to assess the scene. So I find that again, using the mirrorless rear display where it's pulled out away from you and now you're, you're, you can assess and like consume the entire scene with very little uh, eye movement. And I just find that that makes the decision-making much faster and honestly much closer to what it looks like to look at an image in Lightroom on your, on your Mac. Um, so the viewfinder I think is a big reason why a lot of people, uh, because it's so over magnified yes it, it it's nice because you can see if something is sharp or not or whatever um it's a nice black box so you don't have all the light of the sun or whatever if you're shooting in daylight like interfering with it but the uh i think a lot of people just hone in really on their subject to and, and trying to get that reaction time and everything you know technically correct and the outer edges of the frame get far less consideration and so you end up with a lot of dead space that you really don't need and would probably be a lot more aware of if you had a smaller screen. I actually wish there was a way to make the viewfinder view uh, have an even smaller, like half size option than what its default is. Uh, Does that make sense? Easy. Just move your face a little further away, half, half yeah. away, and then it kind of works. You're set. Yeah, kind of. But then no, I might as well not just use kind the, of. The back That's of the literally screen. just math, Sam. That's no, just, I think that, I think honestly though with the Canon, I th I'm pretty sure the further your eye is away, the more magnified it looks or something. I have to double check. Your newfangled cameras are doing some crazy things. <laughs> I feel like such an old, like woo, back in my day with ideas that lies. 
you know, it's funny. I think from a marketing perspective, Canon did do a poor job with the eye tracking autofocus feature because, and maybe they even gave it a different name, but I don't think so because I don't remember it. And so clearly it wasn't catchy enough. But I think a lot of photographers just assumed when they were talking about that, that it was just eye tracking the way all the other cameras do it uh, you know, of the subject with your AF point, not being able to move your autofocus point with your eyeball where you look instead of the joystick or what have you. It's crazy. It's just it, 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 like, I know that we're all about to experience that with our face computers and that it's going to become a normal thing. Yeah. But it freaks me out, man. I like yeah, it. Yeah. I don't love the idea of, uh, yeah, some, like a, an invisible camera tracking your eye is weird. Very. Well, and you do a little setup thing at the beginning where like, has you look at four different spots and, uh, but that's it. That's all it needs. And then hmm. you can do a second series if you have glasses or something like that. Yeah. It's, well, it's pretty well thought through. Canon has some seriously cool innovations. I, I still though am so sad that both Canon and Nikon didn't take the opportunity uh, when they launched their whole mirrorless lineup to overhaul the core uh, user interface and operating system for their, their cameras. Oh, I thought you were going to say industrial design and I was going to agree. Cameras are boring. I mean, Kinda. like, I get it. I agree. That cameras are, uh, you know, I know. like. I kind of like my R3, the way it looks is, it's just chunky. Nice. It's a chunky yeah, boy. It's, chunky. It's, a, it's a It's a cube of pixels. Chunky. Just, yes. <laughs> what I just was your want... last rule? You said you had three. Oh, I think yeah. I mean, we weren't, I, I figured it was probably going to come up because it's not that, it's not that inventive of a rule. Uh, put something, in, put something in the way. So, oh, yes. you know, hold, you know, the easiest is like holding up your phone and doing the reflection trick, but you know, like shoot through a window, shoot through a portal, shoot through a door, sh- shoot through a tree, uh, grass, yeah. whatever, right? Like just literally anything to make part of the frame fuzzy because of depth gives it some layer and depth yeah 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 it's uh also if you have nothing physical to shoot through like uh actual leaf or some tool whatever you find uh just putting your camera on the ground i find that that really helps me uh i don't do it as much anymore but in the early days i would literally put my camera on the ground and like not have it in my hands for a second as i was talking through where i wanted them to be because it would just slow my mind down and I think also ease my clients for them to see that my camera is not like at the ready to, you know, unload a burst of photos at any moment to just put my camera down. You know, I'm not an idiot about where I'm not trying to have it stolen put it in anything. the street. And, yeah. but like, and then have it down. It slows my mind down, kind of getting them into a position and I can think through the scene a little bit more deliberately and then just take a quick peek at what the, what it looks like on the screen down there. Uh, because, you know, the ground, even the ugliest parking lot with gravel and dust or dirt or whatever can, can look just like now a beautiful bokeh effect of nothing that just kind of leads your eye to the, the subject. And yeah, that's just like a really great strategy. Um, oftentimes I just have my camera and I'm talking with my hands at the beginning of a session. You my are hand hanging very that's much. A, yeah. Yeah. And it's very, very helpful in terms of directions and putting people at ease, I think. But the my camera is usually just slung off to my side. Like there's no crazy until, you know, I'm committed to the shot and I actually start making photos. I try not to um, 
you know, fixate on having my camera in my hand all the time, which means I lose some stuff, right? There's always a trade-off with everything you're doing. And that's a big one where, you know, sometimes I'm setting them up and they might giggle or whatever. And I'm like, ah, all right, I'll get that the next round. And, uh, that's okay. That's what I've happens. never missed a photo in my life. So I, I I'm can't sure. relate, but I, yep. you know, I've recently decided and started to, um, treat the photos I'm taking a little bit more film like a big thing that I have talked with after talking with some, uh, film photographers over the last few weeks is I've been debating shooting a roll of film or two or nine. Um, cool. My, my biggest problem is I don't have self-control. So if I start shooting film, I will then oopsie daisy spend a thousand dollars on film. And like, dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I don't want to do that. And like, yeah, I understand, you know, people are like, well, Hey, we're used to free photos from digital. That's fine. And it's like, and they're not free. They're, they're paid for. We paid for the camera. Oh, uh, but <laughs> one of the things that, um, film photographers have, uh, pointed out that they do, and that I think is probably beneficial for me is they will frame up a photo. They will like get it all right. And then they won't take the photo. We'll be like, mm, nope, that's not worth the frame. Interesting. Uh, which I think is oh, probably sure. less of a, less of a thing that you would experience as a, a commercial photographer, a, a commercial wedding photographer. Cause like everything is worth a shot because you're just there to take all the shots. But like walking home from uh, like a concert last night, I was like, Ooh, that's a nice, that's a nice uh, like reflection off a window. And then I like framed it up. I was like, nah, no. And just kept on walking. Like, I felt very brave. That's awesome. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's brave a, the word very, I want to use? I don't know if it is. Yeah. Let's see. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's not, I love... I love to be brave. I feel I feel yeah. great about it. That's awesome. I like it too. But we, we never even wrapped up... We never even started the critiquing conversation. Because I wanted to... We, we got distracted by oh. how we're going to do one for people. Okay. And then we were yes, just going we down. So with the critiquing online, one of the things I tend to prefer when somebody weighs in on a photo I've posted which happens occasionally where they're like um I don't like this blah 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 and here's why the the issue for me is that these are paying clients of mine that now somebody has a critique of them or the photo underneath that's like no no go I didn't say please openly critique these there was no invitation whatsoever and again my client's going to see that comment. And even if they would have loved the photo previously, now they've got this seed planted in their head about whatever it is. And they're like, Oh yep. my God, is this, is this not a good photo? Bad news. Number one. But that's one thing I really like about glass in general is it is a bit more insulated and, uh, kind of, mm, it's like a safer space to, to have, uh, some pushback, which, yeah, I, maybe I should, uh, yeah, your clients aren't going to be interested to post join both. The... No, they're not going to see but I would love to post one and openly ask for like feedback. Right. But what's really interesting about feedback in general, uh, I find is that when, and this is something I'm guilty of it during the editing phase for sure is when you know, you can make a change to something or that, uh, a change or a recommendation is invited sometimes. In fact, if not the majority of the time, I think people look for issues that otherwise weren't there to begin with, if that makes sense. It's a. Uh, it's like when recording yep. a song with, um, you know, the many bands that I've worked with over the years. 
knowing that we have the ability to change infinitely, essentially, like the tone of the guitar or something like that. Just having that knowledge and then opening up the you know, amp simulator and starting to go through everything, it becomes an endless situation of tweaking and like, does it feel right? I don't know. Like the other one was kind of better. One day you like one, the next day you like the other. That's certainly healthy to a certain degree. But what I find is that most things, when you don't point it out to them as like, hey, is that snare too loud or something like that, doesn't even register as a thought. It just sounds like it sounds. And uh, I think the exact same thing happens with almost any creative process, but um, also in especially photos and editing. This is why I can't look at my photos um, with like straight out of camera. I have to import with my editing preset applied uh, because if I start from scratch, everything is zeroed out and then apply my preset, something always looks to something. And it, I always trend toward going back to that uh, original, uh, you know, experience of how it looked. And that's something I've had to train myself to just resist and not do, do not get too used to the, um, yeah, the straight out of camera vibe because you'll generally trend back toward that i think that's also where a lot of people um will buy a preset from another photographer uh, or maybe even my presets and and it just they click it and then they start comparing and then they go down this rabbit hole of like wow well, this isn't it's too much it's way too magenta or something like this and uh, i think if you import just kind of blind and and only have the preset applied even if it looks totally wrong for that scene but start tweaking and editing from that base um It'll serve you much better and much faster. You just second guess yourself way less. So what? Sorry, that was a long rant. <laughs> was yeah. Uh, for how does how does growth happen for you now? Right, because like we, we were talking about this last week around um, the photos that I've been taking for like the last ten years. Right, like they're they're similar yeah, photos. To, right, like yeah. I'm taking photos of. Um, I can send you my 365 project and you can scroll through and be like, oh yeah, these are the same photos, just worsely edited. Great job, Daniel, right? Uh, and I have this, you know, the, the thing that's helped me the most um, for growth in my own photography over the last two years that class has been around, but also just in general as I have started maintaining it as a, hobby as opposed to my profession has been just active shooting, right? Like regularly shooting and, you know, regularly editing and, you know, regularly practicing the craft. Uh, mm -hmm. What a shocker. It's not, you know, it hasn't been, um, it, it hasn't been other people's comments. It hasn't been other, you know, it hasn't been feedback. It hasn't been critiques. It's just been me figuring out what I like in a photo and figuring out how to apply that faster, better, via my editing process and my creation process. Mm -hmm. uh, but that wasn't always the case, right? You know, when I joined Flickr back in 2003 or whatever it was, uh, the a big group thing was you would join a feedback group that was uh, leave three comments, get oh, one yeah. in return. Yeah. Right? So you would, <laughs> you'd be in the group of people and you would submit a photo that you need critiquing on, but you could only get critiques if you went to three other members' photos and critiqued them. Uh, and like that was in my brain, thinking back on it, I'm not sure how helpful any of this was versus me just wanting 
the dopamine of someone commenting and someone looking mm-hmm. at it, right? I, I don't know if I was actually learning versus... I just, do think you would carry some of that criticism with you in the moment. Maybe not totally at the top of your thought process when you're actually working again, but maybe. It's it's kind of like how you sit down with your own photos and realize like, ah, I, I messed up this pose again or I didn't uh, do it the way that I wanted to. Like that feeling even if again it's not registering as a conscious thought the next time you go out and shoot it's still there and so it just yeah. slowly starts to chip away and, and change your your perspective so i would think there's some value there i forgot about that so like with my with my writing one of the one of the things a mentor told me years ago that has like been really really helpful it was the phrase know your readers and like that's a abstract term of like know who you're writing for and know how they're going to receive your work but also it is a very literal, know the four to 10 people that you're going to get feedback from, that you're going to ask for, hey, I need notes on this draft. I need, you know, I need critiqued. I need, I need, I need this edited. I need this cut, right? Like know your readers and the people that you trust enough with your work. Because like this happens with photography to a certain extent it's a lot easier to happen with um writing is like essays and stories and novels and everything that involves like fiction or um creative writing is very fragile right like the Mm -hmm. the creation process for writing a personal essay is like a very fragile thing and getting the wrong bit of feedback at the wrong time can just wreck your entire essay Right. Like it it will, it can send you spiraling. It can send you down the wrong road. You'll end up killing it, leaving it, putting it in the drawer, whatever. Uh, And so, like, know the reader is that you need to ask, you know, help for. So, like, my friend Vanessa is the one who is the best at uh, structure and dialogue. So, if I'm like really struck on, stuck on, um, you know, a structure of an essay, I will ask Vanessa to help. Right. Be like, hey, Vanessa, I need you to read this. Leave notes. Or if I need a vibe check on if something's landing or if something's too mean, I give it to my friend Wanda or, you know, mm-hmm. so like knowing who to ask for that critique. And that photography as a creative process is a lot more. Um, there's a lot less for a person to critique. Right. You know, with with writing, I'm like, here's a whole essay. Right. Like here's 12,000 yeah. words. Yeah, you can critique uh, you every can, single word if you wanted. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, yeah, you know what is going to happen in these twelve thousand words. There, even though um, people can take a lot of different things from pieces of writing, in the same way they can take a lot of different things from what they like about a photograph. There's not, there, there's not a lot of crossover in how you would talk about these things, right? Um, mm-hmm. A a photograph is like, oh, yeah, I love this vibe or I don't, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I love the framing or I don't or, you know, I love the edit, but or I don't. But there's not. It's so much yeah. harder to give like granular improving feedback of, Absolutely. Uh, for photography. Yep. Yep. Because um, you don't. Yeah. The, also, this is one of the issues I struggle with and try and reinforce when doing the group critiques is I might make a recommendation about what I would have done differently but i you might have been you know 
one edge away from falling off a cliff from your angle. So if I say, I ah, probably should have taken a step backwards, like, okay, you could not have done that. This is a yeah. problem. Uh, so I tend to be more, you know, on the editing side of, of how uh, I would change things now. But there's, yeah, it's so tough to know the, the wider context of what people were dealing with. Right. And it's also hard to know where someone is in their photographic journey, right? One oh. of the one of the critiques that we get all the time about glass, like as a as a platform is the best photographers in the world aren't on it. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. They're not really on Instagram either, right? Like yeah. the the best photographers in the world that are like shooting all of the like like uh um advertisements that are in their videos and stuff like that. Their assistants, yeah, they're assistants, their studio managers are the ones that are there. This yeah. is not, you know, like whenever you have interacted with a multimillionaire famous photographer on Instagram, right? Like Annie Leibovitz is not posting her yeah. photos to IG for you. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I by the way, critiqued her uh, masterclass pretty hard. Oh, that's People did not understandable. Like that, it, was, it was so Annie. bad. <laughs> People really did not like me criticizing her. And I was like, this is I'm sorry, this is awful. <laughs> I mean, she's she's had 40 years to learn how to light a black person. She could have done it if she wanted to. Yeah. Uh, she she yeah. just hasn't. I, but I am a big fan of her work. Don't get me wrong. I think she's a trailblazer in many, many ways. But yeah. But, I, maybe, but maybe learn how to light someone yeah. who isn't a, a yeah. porcelain white human being. Yeah. Uh, okay, but you asked me a question. It was uh, well, how so do I, I it's about oh, it's right. So like the the critiquing and growth, we have been working on a set of features that will make requesting feedback and requesting critiques on Glass a significantly easier experience. Cool. So we everyone's having a better time when they're getting it. There's less errant, accidental. Hey, I think this could be better or whatever. Yeah. In the comments, and and people are able to ask for feedback on images, uh, it's not, you know, this is a thing that's coming n not soon, right? Like it'll be okay. end of the year, early next year sort of thing. Not like, oh, it's coming out in September. This is just Daniel softening the ground for a future launch. It's not, it's not that. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is, this is like still in the beginning phases of the work. Um, Got it. And so, you know, like I'm, I'm just like onboarding more ideas around critiquing and how it works. Like when have you noticed growth in your photography and has it always been, cause I've been trying to think about my growth as a photographer and, and figuring out what I like. And I am struggling for it to be a struggling to find instances where it was an external person. Right. And, okay. and an external so, force driving me to be better as opposed to external forces supporting me as I figured out my own route. Okay. Yes. Um, right. So, so a few things, a few spots, I would say, uh, that I personally can literally feel the growth is, uh, something I call the four eyes test, which is very similar to what you described in your writing. And that's getting a person to, say you assemble a blog post or a slideshow or portfolio, whatever it is, maybe it's just one photo you want feedback on, what have you. But especially if you're you know, like doing a series of photos, uh, have somebody else physically in the room with you as you ask for their feedback. Because at least for me, I immediately would start 
if not from from like the very first photo, it was very very quick where I could start to anticipate like, oh yeah, why did I put that photo in there? This is too similar to the one before it. Like that's yeah, cut because yeah. they would start it, like having that pressure of a literal other set of eyes on your work right next to you as you're going through it uh, is is pretty priceless, especially if it's from somebody you look up to or you really trust because you're going to be a lot more critical of yourself and and surface the uh, the flaws. Uh, or where you have can now realize, hopefully, that you've made a poor decision uh, in the way something looks. Uh, it just gives you a fresh perspective, um, both internally and from, hopefully, their advice and the things that they're pointing out about how things look. So that's one that I, I mean, countless blog posts in the early days, I'd be traveling with friends and other photographers and like, hey, you want to check this out? And like, yeah, I could like cut it down to half the number of photos with that uh, four eyes test. Now, and and then the other one for me now more commonly the most of most of the growth comes from self-imposed constraints so giving myself a little challenge that makes no sense or is just weird or for whatever reason i make it exist just to have a, a different set of pressure um against me so that i do grow um you know, go to an engagement session with just one battery at 50% or something like that. Leave the other battery if you have one in the trunk. Uh, you know, you, you need to balance the, okay, you need to stay professional here. But having that outside pressure of, oof, I can only take, you know, a thousand shots and I'm used to taking 2,000 or whatever is very beneficial and it's scary as shit. And it's very similar to what it feels like in your first, few years of shooting where everything is scary <laughs> and you know if you have fully charged batteries and everything's firing all cylinders from a technical level it's still scary because you are um you know working with people and probably not super confident yet in your approach with that once you reach the other side you do have to start creating self-imposed uh restrictions which is an awkward thing to even talk about publicly because you know you wouldn't want your clients to think like you're being reckless or you're not setting yourself to, up to be super successful. But what's funny is like a constraint will set you up to, or enable uh, generally a more creative um, approach and better overall output. So, but it's a tough thing to like say uh, whatever the constraint is because uh, cons people just don't think in that way a lot of times. Well, I think that's what I'm, I meant earlier when I was talking about like the, external forces or, you know, like having that, that, um, communication and, and feedback and critiques when I was early in my career at the time felt really important, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, for my growth as a photographer, but now looking back on it, I think I just needed multiple people to tell me to keep taking photos. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what a version of a critique and feedback is, is like, I think you should crop a little tighter. Like I think you could frame up by dropping your camera a couple of feet or raising it above your head, right? Like all the little things that you're doing, you're literally just telling people to go get more experience taking photos. It's not you know, like the things I'm looking for in a street photo are different than other people's uh, thing in a street photo. And that's fine, right? That's the point of photography is like figuring out how you take your own photos but you, to do that, you just have to take a hell of a lot of photos, right? Like the, when I yep. was like 19, someone, uh, I, I was second shooting for a wedding 
and the, the guy could tell I was like a little nervous and you know it was one of my first weddings and so he came over and he was like do you want to know the secret to photography Daniel and I was like yes of course I do you just have to take a hell of a lot of photos just just yeah. one whole shit whack of photos my my guy that's, and I was that's like, what oh. appeals to me about shooting weddings I can't think of another style of photography where it's consistently such high volume work yeah, it's just like, end, yeah. endless amounts yeah. of photos. Uh, yeah, I mean, but like even that that applies to everything I've done, right? You know, yes. the self-portraits that I take, I take like 50 to 100 per one that I post, right? Because right. like I'm, I, I'm regularly shooting wide open and wide open 1.4 on a medium format or 1.7 on a full frame. There's not a lot of... The, the focus yeah. plane is very shallow. Uh, yeah. And I, setting up a single, um, you know, a, a box, like if you are watching this on YouTube uh, and you look in my left hand corner, you can see my box. That's my, that's my face. Uh, I regularly put that box in the frame so I can focus on it. And then I sit down, right? So I move the box and I sit down. Am I sitting right where the box is? Absolutely not. So that means I have to move my face forward and backwards for you know 50 shots to hopefully get one where my eyeball is as close to tack sharp as the minicon can muster yeah 100 megapixels is not uh super forgiving about that it is really not it is deeply unforgiving even uh is a way i would describe it which is part yeah. of the fun, but it's like, you, you, you know, take a lot of photos, you're going to get the one you want. Uh, you take a lot of photos of an engagement session, you're going to get 10 that are like teeming with love and life and joy. Uh, same, you know, a wedding. You're, if you take 5,000 photos, 10,000 photos, you're going to, you're going to come away with 400 that are pretty good, right? That Hopefully. they're not going to be mad that they paid you money <laughs> yeah. for shit. I guess that's um, another tip. <sighs> now I have four tips. Four this, this one's tips. all about the tips. I like it. And I have a client meeting, so I should go. <laughs> Sorry to cut it huh? short. No, this that is, was, this is really going to be exciting. We're going to experiment with a, what what episode, what length. Oh, my God. Ten minutes early. Yeah. Ten minutes. That's all okay. Right, well, um, yeah. Sam, appreciate, appreciate you. you.